Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. Well, good morning once more. Let me invite you to hear the word of the Lord, 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, as a body of believers this morning, we offer our praise and our thanksgiving to you. And God, we know when we begin to describe your character, there are so many words that can be spoken. You are good, you are gracious, you are faithful. And yet I pray these words from 1 John remind us that at the very heart of your character is love. And may we in turn, as we reflect on your love for us, that you loved us first, uh, may we be called, may we be challenged, not only to love you, but to love one another as well. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. I don't know what the right words are, but I'm always intrigued. I'm always amazed. And I'm always so very, very grateful every time I open the pages of Scripture and begin reading. Uh, The creation story, for example, that culminates in the creation of humanity. You and I are created in the very image of God. We, We know that, but let me remind us this morning that those are words that give us identity. In a world where so many people struggle for identity, in a world where far too often we categorize and even dehumanize people, especially those who are different than us, the opening pages of Scripture remind us of our identity. You and I, every single human being, is created in the image of God. Uh, 
And that ought to give us pause as we think about relationships with one another, as we think about reaching out to those who are indeed different than us. But I want to take it a step further. Not only do we talk about the fact that each of us individually are created in the image of God, at the heart of that identity is that we were created for relationship. And, and you hear me say that often, but I especially want you to hear me say that as we begin a new series today. We were created for relationship. We were not created to be alone. Even the language that Scripture uses in describing the creation of humanity, speaks to that. God said, let us make humanity in our image. And maybe you struggle understanding all the depth that is wrapped into that language. After all, we often talk about the fact that God is one, and then here is language that says, well, let us. Let us make humanity in our image. Who are we talking about? Well, it's not the direction for the study today, but my conviction is those words are describing the divine family, deity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who have shared relationship with one another from everlasting to everlasting. This incredibly beautiful, intimate relationship, what writers in the early centuries would have described as the divine dance, that incredible relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are created in the very image of God to share in that dance, to share relationship with the divine family, but also to share community relationship with one another. Now hit the pause button for just a moment because when you keep reading those early pages of Scripture, you come to the point where humanity rebels against God, the broken relationship that sin brings into the world. And the reality is, when we begin talking about sin, we can describe sin in a whole variety of ways. But might I suggest, again, given where we're going in this series, one way to describe sin is that we make all of these attempts to stake our independence Rather than cherishing relationship with God, rather than cherishing relationship with one another, we, in a thousand and one different ways, try to become the God or the gods of our own lives. And so relationships are broken, not only with the divine family, but with one another. And we hear language in Scripture, and we certainly hear language in our culture, language that focuses on the individual. And so you'll hear language like, you cannot tell me how to live my life. I'm going to stand up for my rights. What I choose to do doesn't affect anyone else. And I beg to differ because we were created for relationship. We were created for community. Community matters. Relationship matters. And that's obvious in God's response to humanity following the entrance of sin into the world. God did not give up on us, even the language of the Old Testament, as God describes his relationship with the people of Israel. Even the language that is used in the Old Testament speaks to the fact that God pursues us, that God longs for a relationship with us that God is all about encouraging us to live a life of peace and harmony with one another. God is always in the process of creating something new. 
And so some of the language and the prophetic material of the Old Testament as God speaks to his people Israel is the idea again of God wooing his people. As we pointed out in our last series, God as the husband, as the bridegroom, pursuing his bride, pursuing his people. The language of the Old Testament makes that clear. But oh, when you come to the pages of the New Testament, it becomes abundantly clear Jesus, the Word, a part of the divine family, becomes human, becomes one of us, as the message paraphrase uh, words it in John chapter 1. The, the Word moves into the neighborhood, not only to share relationship with us, but by His life to show us what relationship is all about, and ultimately to give His life in order that God's new creation, the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, the bride of Christ, in order that God's new creation might be at the heart of God's desire to restore all things, to restore what he intended from the very beginning, relationship. And so if you will permit me to use the title of the series we're beginning today, it is God, in the story of God, it is God moving us from me, that individual focus, to us. At the heart of our identity is relationship. Because again, we were created for relationship. And at the heart of the new creation of God, the body of Christ, the church, is that vivid reminder, we were not created to be alone. We were created for relationship. And so relationship matters. Community matters. Church matters. Now, throughout this series, we'll talk about our commitment to God, but we'll do it in the context of recognizing that our commitment to God is so often fleshed out into our commitment to one another. And so what does it mean to be committed to the body of Christ? What does it mean to be committed to the body of Christ at Monterey? Now, I, I want you to hear me clearly because on one hand, faith is personal. In fact, faith is very personal. Each of us individually grappling with our faith, coming to grips with what it means to believe in God, to trust God in our daily lives, to make Jesus the Lord of our lives, to submit to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I cannot live out your faith, and you cannot live out my faith. But on the other hand, we do not see the full picture until we recognize that faith is lived out in the context of community. In fact, most of the books in the New Testament are written to churches, to communities of faith, not individuals. And even those letters that are written to individuals like Timothy and Titus and Philemon, those letters are written to individuals as it reflects upon their ministry in the context of community or in the context of life. Even the little book of Philemon how do you do life in the midst of a world with slavery? How do, you, how do you do life in such a way that you honor one another and build one another up? Paul speaks to communities as he writes those letters. You see, in some respects, we are at a disadvantage with our English translations of the Bible. For example, the word you, Y-O-U, we often use in both singular and plural ways. I may say you. If I'm talking directly to you individually, you singular. But if I talk about you as a group, I'm also using the same word. Unless I want to shift into my southern slang and say you all. But, but, but I'm using the word you in both singular and plural ways. 
by way of footnote, the English language in the 1600s, the time of Shakespeare, the time of the King James translation of the Bible, if you go back and look at some of that language, uh, they'll, they'll use words like thou, T-H-O-U, to talk about you singular. They'll use words like ye, Y-E, to talk about you plural. Because you see in the Greek language, the word translated in all of those ways, the, words, the word you has both plural and singular forms. And so if you will permit me again, it is this idea of moving from me to us. It is faith lived out in the context of community. Let me give you another example. The New Testament clearly teaches that the Holy Spirit lives in the life of every believer. There are obviously numerous passages that talk about the work of the Spirit in your life, in my life. The Spirit molds us into the image of Christ. The Spirit grows the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The Spirit is present and works in our lives, in our weaknesses, in our prayer lives, etc. But there are also passages in very direct ways that talk about the Spirit living in the church, in the body of Christ. One example, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves, plural, are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst. And so if anyone destroys God's temple, Paul gets really personal in terms of how we treat one another. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. One of several images Paul will use to describe the church. We're the body of Christ. We'll talk more about that throughout this series. The family of God, the bride of Christ uh, collectively. Ephesians 4 talks about the body being built up together. And so this idea again of not just a focus on me, but from me to us. We are the temple. Now, three chapters later in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul will use the word temple in a more personal way to describe what it is to live lives of purity. And he will remind us that the, the, uh, the, the body, that, that, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so he challenges us in that context because we've been bought with a price to live lives of sexual purity in a world that often has all sorts of sexual immorality. But again, you go back to that chapter 3 text, it is Paul using the word temple, using that image to talk about us as a community of faith. That's one reason I love our identity statement at Monterey. Probably not a statement that you see very often, but nonetheless a statement that leads very directly into our mission statement, to love God and to love others. Our identity statement, and notice the us that is all over the place in this identity statement. We are a Christ-centered, grace-oriented, and spirit-led body of believers. Our faith is in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, the living word, and the Holy Spirit, our guide and comforter as revealed in scripture. Again, our identity is all about relationship. And so I encourage us to think about what that means as we began talking about our mission. Our mission at Monterey says very simply, love God and love others. And obviously, there are all sorts of individual applications for that. What does it mean for you, for me, to love God and to love others? But in this series, I want us, 
in fact, I, I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us to think about that from a community perspective. What does it mean to love God as a body of believers? What does it mean to love others as a body of believers? Because you see, that is at the very heart of our identity as a church. Loving God together, loving others together as the body of Christ. Over the next several weeks, we'll explore that in these sermons but we're also going to explore that in a couple of other specific contexts over the next few weeks. One, beginning today, if you were a part of our Sunday morning adult Bible classes, our Sunday morning Bible classes are exploring our five values of, as a church during, during the first five weeks of this new quarter. We are committed to a culture of worship, belonging, presence, sacrifice, and discipleship. What does it mean to live those values out as a body of believers? How do we honor those kind of values? And so if you've not been a part of our Sunday morning adult Bible classes, let me encourage, even challenge you, visit those classes. Find a place to belong because community matters. And then beginning this Wednesday night, we're launching a new format on Wednesday nights that we're calling Midweek Connect, a new time frame, 645 to 745. And we're beginning with a six-week block of classes that will focus on identity. Again, who are we as a body of believers and who are we called to be? Walking alongside one another in so many different areas. Children's classes, classes for our teenagers, classes for our college students, three classes or groups under the umbrella of healing ministries. Again, as we walk alongside each other, divorce care, grief share, and recovery in Christ for those who are struggling with addictions. And then four specific classes, again, under that umbrella of identity as we walk alongside each other. A parenting class for those whose children are in early childhood, a class with a variety of presenters coordinated by Deanna Dawson, a parenting class for those of you with teenagers, with several presenters, a class on sexuality led by Dane Eggleston and Joy Drumright, and a biblical study on identity based in the book of Genesis, led by Brian Starr. We believe community matters as we walk alongside each other as Christ followers. Now, I've got to stop for just a moment and be tongue-in-cheek when I talk about Wednesday nights because many of us decided a long time ago you don't have to come on Wednesday nights to go to heaven. But I really want you to think about the power of community and the power of connections. Again, we intentionally are describing this new format, Midweek Connect, because we believe in the power of connecting with one another. We believe that community matters. And so let me go back to that First John text for a moment, the one that I began with, a text that declares God is love. At the very heart of the character of God, is love. Yes, God is all of those other descriptive terms that we might utilize. He's gracious and he's good and he's faithful. But did you notice how many times in those verses that I read, the emphasis circles back to God is love. God is a God of love. And so it should not surprise us that Jesus would say his disciples, that includes you and me, his disciples who first of all are created in the very image of God, who is a God of love, and secondly, who are part of the new creation. It should not surprise us that Jesus would say, we will be known by our love. Now, you know his words, but let them sink in. John chapter 13, near the close of his life, before his crucifixion, 
a new command. He says, I give you, and I've shared with you before. I've always struggled a little bit when he says a new command because he's about to give us a commandment on love that's been a part of his desire from the very beginning, that we would love one another, and yet the newness is the way that Jesus is loved. And so love one another as I have loved you, Jesus says, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You see, it's about relationship. It is about love, loving the way Jesus loved. And Jesus says, that's the way the world will know that you belong to me. Not by how loudly you proclaim your beliefs. Not by how many times you walk through the doors of a church building throughout a given year, but by your love. And as Jesus would say on another occasion when he is pressed by religious leaders of that first century world, so what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Out of all of those 613 commandments on the law, what's the greatest? And he says, love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there is a second one that complements that, love your neighbor as yourself. And then depending on which gospel you are reading, Jesus will say, everything hinges on those two. Or as the gospel of Mark words it, there is no commandment greater than these. And so I would say to anyone who says, all, all you talk about is love. I think that's where Jesus begins us. And that is precisely where first John carries us when the writer reminds us that it begins with God, who is a God of love, and it begins with God's love for us. Relationship matters. Community matters. Love matters. And the driving motivation, again, is we love because he first loved us. Now, here's my assignment for the week. I read 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Let me challenge you every day this week to read and reflect on those verses. We're challenged to love one another because love comes from God, because everyone who loves has been born of God, because God first loved us, because God is love. And several times in that text, we are reminded that community matters from me to us. We don't live in isolation. In fact, notice the emphasis on us in that text. Let us love one another. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that, le- that we live in him, and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. We love because he first loved us. Community matters. The church matters. Let me close in this way. On one hand, I'm going to leave the application of today's message hanging because we're going to explore a lot of implications for uh, the idea that we're talking about today. We're going to explore a, a lot of implications in the coming weeks. On the other hand, I'm going to leave the application of today's message squarely in your hands as you read and reflect on that text. What does it mean? to be committed to the body of Christ. What does it mean to be committed to the body of Christ at Monterey? And let me challenge us to grapple with that question and to reflect upon that question during this coming week. What does it mean to be committed to the body of Christ? And I know I'm not going to do this perfectly, but in a comment made by one of our young people at a recent creative team meeting It is the difference, whether we're talking about a a dating couple, a married couple, or a group of young people in a circle 
holding hands and praying together. It is the difference between holding hands in pancake fashion versus in waffle fashion. You see, we are interconnected because we are part of the body of Christ. And I pray that we reflect upon that deeply as we walk through this series together. What does it mean to move from me to us? Let's sing together.